This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Sports ballers, beware. I'm going to start off with some interesting stuff from uh, baseball just to start the show. Uh, my humble twins are not doing so great. They are leading the, uh, the their division, the central division in the American League. They are the leader, at least as of uh, yesterday. Uh, but they are below 500. That means they've lost more games than they've won. I think they're like one game under. Which also means that every team, there are five teams in the AL Central. There are five teams in each of the divisions in the two leagues. There are three divisions for each league. American League and National League. And the Twins are atop the American League West, or no, Central Division. They are atop of that. And that entire division, all the rest of the teams in there... Um, you know, the White Sox are in there, Cleveland Guardians are in there, White Sox Chicago. Uh, I think Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland Guardians are in there. Uh, Kansas City Royals, Minnesota Twins, and some other team, uh, Detroit Tigers. They are all in that, did I say, well, but they're, they're the teams, I think. I think I got them all. Twins are leading, but they're all losing teams. <laughs> so it's, it's, if it stays the way it is, through the rest of the season, we're about ha- we're getting, we're at about the halfway point, if if not past it. If it stays the way that, that it's been going recently for all those teams in that division, uh, it's possible that we'll have a postseason with a losing team, a team with a losing record, actually making it into the playoffs. Could happen, but there's a lot of season left to go. Who knows what will end up happening at the end? Let's hope. That whoever makes it from the Central Division, hopefully the Twins, into the postseason, that they will have a winning record. Let's hope. And if it is the Twins that make it in, let's hope they don't just lose in the first round and get you know swept out like they've been doing f- for the last 20 years or so. So it's just it's just it's pathetic. Anyway, uh, but we do have we do have the milestone for the Twins this year that they did beat the hated Yankees. Uh, in in the seven games they played against the the hated Yankees this season, all took place in a- April. I think was the first month. Uh, they you know they're four and three. The Twins are. They've won the season series against the hated Yankees. I think that's the first time since like I don't know early two thousands, something like that. So or maybe the late nineteen ninety something somewhere. I I I can't remember. <clears throat> but speaking of the hated Yankees. This past week, a rare achievement was occurred in baseball. Has occurred in baseball, the perfect game. Uh, let's see the name of the pitcher for the Hated Yankees, Domingo Herman. He pitched 99 pitches uh, through the to the nine innings he pitched. 27 batters were up. 27 batters went down. So uh, that means no hits, no walks, uh, no hit by a pitch, no errors, no base runners. Nothing. Uh, it was the hated Yankees. They were playing the Oakland A's. This was June 28th. And it's the it's it's so rare. This is the 24th time in Major League Baseball history that a perfect game has been thrown. It's the first uh, it's the fourth time in Yankees uh, history, hated Yankees history, that uh, a perfect game has been thrown by one of their pitchers. Um there would be 25 perfect games, but 
uh, back in June, June, uh, June second, twenty ten. Uh, the Detroit Tigers, uh, their pitcher Armando Galarraga, uh, was pitching a perfect game. He was working on out number 27, the last out, which would have sealed the perfect game. He was working on it. Through the, I don't know who it was that uh, got, you know, who it was that he was pitching to. I don't know. I, I didn't write down those details. I'm not that pedantic. You'd think, you know, you'd think, but I'm not. I mean, I am, but I'm not that bad. So anyway, uh, the hitter... Uh, hits the ball. It's a ground ball out to second or short. I'm not sure which. And they threw the ball. The, that fielder threw the ball. Infielder. Threw the ball over to first base. The first baseman caught the ball. Had the ba- bag tagged. The ball got there before the runner got to the bag. And umpire Jim Joyce called the runner safe. Thereby killing a perfect game. And it was clear that the runner was not safe. The ball was there before him. The first base uh, player had his had his foot on the bag as he caught the ball. It was before the runner got there. It was a perfect game, except it wasn't because the umpire missed the call. And I'm sure Jim Joyce felt horrible about that because you know there's you can see you know you can go back and look at the video. You can go back and look and see that he blew the call. He blew the call. Now, I'm not sure. I didn't look deep enough to see what kind of reaction he had. I think it's something in my mind tells me that he apologized. But I, you know, I don't know for sure. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll find it when a link to something in the show notes if I can find something. Show notes you can get to by going to dimland.com and clicking on the show notes uh, slash blog option. And you can get to the, this week's, this show's uh, bl- uh, show notes. And if you're not doing that, you're only getting like 3% of the show. I mean, it's all in the show notes. In fact, you don't even need to listen to the show. Just go to the show notes. Wait a minute. Listen to the show. <laughs> and check out the show notes. Because then you get links to stuff and whatever. Uh, anyway, so... Um, uh, it's it's just... And, and the thing was, that was in the days before baseball implemented the, uh, the challenge. Where uh, teams can challenge a call. They get like a two challenges a game or something like that. You can, so if they... If, if it would have been... I think that would have been a, a reviewable play... Uh, under the rules that they play under today, that would have been a reviewable play had they had that rule. The the uh, manager, whomever it was of the Detroit Tigers back in, in 2010, I don't remember, Jim Leland, maybe, uh, could have called for a challenge and said, look, my guy was safe. This is important. This is a perfect game. This is history. Let's check it out. And they would have checked it out and would have overturned the call because it was that clear that the runner was out. But they didn't have that replay challenge system back then. And I think that was one of the things that uh, people went advocating. We should go to a challenge system and we need, you know, that's why. That part of it, we lost a perfect game because the ump blew the call. So anyway, perfect game was thrown this past week by, uh, what was his name again? Domingo Herman. Uh, who and see now this leads me into the it, you know it's the art not the artist sort of thing because apparently Domingo Herman uh, has a past of domestic, uh, domestic violence and that's not cool that's horrible and so now you go you know it's great celebrate the achievement but jeez couldn't it have been a you know somebody nicer <laughs> somebody that wasn't so you know problematic as the kids might say uh there was a reaction on 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 social media with a lot of people celebrating it and then the second wave was well you know this guy was an asshole right Uh, yeah i well maybe they didn't know there's a celebrating the achievement and they didn't know maybe that herman has a history of domestic violence against his you know girlfriend or wife or whatever at the time uh, maybe they didn't know, and if they did know, you know, I think people who probably did know might have still celebrated the fact that geez, this guy got a you know no a, you know, perfect game. That's great, uh, but uh, you know, so they might not have made much of a uh, a public showing of of enjoying the achievement. But there was I know of uh, I've heard of one woman that took to TikTok. I think it was. That's a thing the kids do, right? 
And she did some video on there just showing her crying. She was so moved by this perfect game. This is just so, you know, so sublime and awesome. And if you're not a baseball fan, maybe you don't understand. But, boy, I tell you, I'd love to. I did watch uh, a bit of a, uh, I didn't see the entire game. Didn't catch it right from the beginning, but I caught enough of it. Uh, I was living at, uh, in my friend John's house at the basement apartment. And it was a Twins game. It was a day game. They were playing the hated Yankees. And I think, what the hell was his name? David Wells was pitching. And I believe that was a perfect game. I believe that's what that was. It wasn't just a no-hitter. I think it was a perfect game. And I'm not going to look it up now because I'm recording the show. And I was downstairs. You know, I put the game. I realized that the game was on. I put it on maybe in the second inning or whatever. I just realized it was on, so I put it on. And then I'm doing whatever I'm doing down there. And then I start paying attention. Wow, look at what this guy's doing. He's doing to our twins, but you know, you know, and he's a hated Yankee. But look what he's doing. It just seems very interesting. And just about the time I was thinking, is my friend upstairs? You know, John, whose house it was. He's home. He's got the game on up. I, I'm wondering, does he have the game up there? Does he know? And the, I hear the door open to the basement, and he calls down. He says, are you watching this? And I said, yeah. He said, why don't you come up? <laughs> you know, so I came up so that the two of us could watch. I, I'm, damn, I'm sure it was a perfect game. I'm sure it was. Not just a no-hitter. But a no-hitter is pretty damn uh, uh, um, impressive as it is. But they happen more often. You'll get like three or four no-hitters in a season. Uh, but, but a perfect game. 24. 25 it should be in the history of baseball that's i that's astounding so um so i i went up and the two of us you know cracked a beer <laughs> and watched the rest of the game it was great yeah it was against it was against our twins our twins were you know were the ones that were the 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 whipping boys for for that particular uh perfect game but still you know it's history and it was it was pretty cool so so this uh, young woman, she goes, she's crying at the achievement, and then she gets jumped all over by uh, you know the people on social media, you know that that do that, that jump all over Betty because hey, you're supporting somebody who's a horrible person. She may not have even known that. She's supporting the achievement. Is it, is there something wrong with supporting the achievement? I guess it's up to you. You know, I mean, if we held our artists to a standard of perfection, we wouldn't have many artists. We wouldn't have much stuff that we would like. And is that my justifying stuff? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Eric Clapton is, you know, is, well, he's not my favorite musical artist. I, there's a couple few songs of his I like. Most of his stuff I find boring. But there's, you know, you know. And, and during the pandemic and the shutdowns, he didn't want that to happen because not because he was, you know, I'm sure he had plenty of money to, to make it through the pan, you know, the shutdowns and all that. I'm sure he was fine. He's, he's just, you know, the, the people need to be entertained. And, and if a few of them get COVID and die because they came out to see me play, well, that's, that's fine. That's at the price we pay for liberty, right? And, well, but, but then again, this is something that we talked about during the pandemic. We who were taking a reasonable approach to it. We're saying it's not just you risking yourself. You're risking people who didn't even go to the show. The fans that go to the show that Eric Clapton and Van Morrison wanted them to go see during the shutdowns. We can't. We can't do these. These are bad. They recorded a song together about how bad it is to shut things down. Um, I, I, it, it's it, it, it's. You know, it's not just the people putting themselves at risk that go to that show. It's their families when they come home from that show and spread it on to, which may make it back to Grandma. And Grandma might die. This is what we were saying. It's not just you. If you're arguing that you don't want to wear a motorcycle helmet while you ride your motorcycle and why you wouldn't want to, I, I, I just I don't understand. I mean, I look at people on motorcycles and I get nervous for them. I say, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My older brother has a motorcycle. I, said, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. It's just too nerve-wracking. I mean, you may be the best motorcycle operator in the world, super safe you follow the rules you do the stuff right you're super aware but there are other people on the road around you who aren't and you you've you've seen the videos in social media you've seen them they get shared around on those reels and those shorts on on youtube or whatever you see them where there's there's a traffic jam and all of a sudden some car or a motorcycle the person driving it is not paying attention and 
bam, they smash into all these vehicles that are parked that had stopped just fine. They're okay, but it's the person behind them not paying attention. You ride a motorcycle and you see that and you think, wow, that, that sucks. And then you go back out and ride your motorcycle. <laughs> I, I, you can't, it's, I don't know. Don't live in fear, Jim. That's that what you're telling me? I, I don't know. Maybe you're right, but still. Anyway, so, so Eric Clapton's an asshole. And from some of the things I've heard, he's kind of a bigot, a little bit. At least in the past, he's made certain statements, maybe. I don't know. He's a friend of Pete Townsend's. Uh, you know, I, I think highly of Pete Townsend. Not perfect. He's not a perfect person, but I think highly of him. And he likes Clapton, so I, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> anyway. <clears throat> So it's the artist, not the art. I've got a friend out there that's saying, yeah, what about David Bowie? David Bowie was memorialized and celebrated for his achievements as an artist when he died. And we all felt bad about him dying. But this friend of mine pointed out, quite rightly, that, hey, the evidence is pretty clear <laughs> that he was guilty of statutory rape. There's the, there's the groupie that uh, he had sex with when she was 15, 16. She was underage. 14, I'm not sure what she was, and she was, there's video of her talking about it later in life, about how beautiful it was, oh, it was David Bowie, it was beautiful, yeah, but he's raping you, <laughs> it's, that's, I mean, he never refuted it, I don't know, it's, uh, so do we not enjoy any of his art? J.K. Rowling turned out to be a major league asshole when it comes to trans, she turned out to be horrible. And she keeps putting her foot in her mouth. She keeps digging deeper in that hole. Instead of shutting up and listening and learning, she just keeps doubling down. Do we hold that against the art that she provided the world? Harry Potter? I... <laughs> Do we hold it against that? I still watch the Harry Potter movies because I like them. I don't like what I've learned about the person who created it, but... Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends. I guess it's, you know, it's your individual level of... What you think is right, what's tolerable, what's going to work. Anyway, <laughs> it was a perfect game. And that's the 24th in uh, Major League Baseball history. <clears throat> I'm going to go to my first break. Uh, you'd think I'd have baseball songs to play, but I don't. So uh, um, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll return after this break. <laughs> Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You don't say... What, you think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Now I know what you're saying. You mentioned Pete Townsend. You know he's got his thing. 
You know, that uh, child pornography thing? Yeah. <laughs> Only thing is, he was cleared of all charges by Scotland Yard, the, the investigator. They cleared him of all charges, save one, which was he did access a website that, among the other porn choices, offered child pornography. He was guilty of that. And, you know, and he dealt with the consequences there. Uh, so far, <laughs> I mean, I tell you, I know I've talked about this in the past on the show, but when, when that news came out, that Townsend was part of this, I think it was called Operation Or or something like that, where they were, where uh, uh, British law enforcement was uh, doing this, this, this sting, as it were, um, you know, just casting this, this wide net to catch all kinds of people in the child porn stuff, you know, either creating it, possessing it, accessing it, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, and it was going, you know, from just regular Joes, the nine to five working stiffs kind of guys, up to judges and celebrities and, and you know, Pete Townsend. And, uh, you know, and they netted them. And so they, they took all of Townsend's uh, computers and stuff. They've, you know the, the the forensics folks in these law enforcement places they know how to find the hidden stuff apparently they found what he told them was true that yes i did access the site but i was you know i'm researching this autobiography of myself and i think that i was subject to sexual abuse at the hands of or or under the tutelage or whatever under the supposed uh, guardian you know, he was supposed to be being protected by his grandmother his grandmother was was I guess not very mentally stable uh, he stayed with her for like a year or two and during that time he believes that uh, there was some things that have happened I don't know um, I don't know I mean he believes some st you know he's into homeopathy so he's not perfect yeah anyway <clears throat> I mean <laughs> that might you know, the homeopathy thing it's come on it's just water anyway um, he was also, and he wrote about it, uh, about, you know, this anti-child porn stuff. He was, he saw that how easily it was to access it, that credit card companies were making money off of it because you could use, he had a credit card from one of the major credit card companies. He used that to access the, the site. Look at that. A bit of that transaction, a bit of that money that he paid to the website goes to whichever credit card he had. And I remember, I think it was Visa was one of the uh, was one of the credit card companies that that uh, um, came out with the policy that they would not, you know, their cards would not work on such sites that people could not use them. And he touted that that they made that step forward in a battle against child pornography, and child exploitation. He made that step, you know, he made he he he, he applauded that, uh, and and so he was. Kind, he was saying, look, I was a bit of a vigilante, too. I, I told my lawyer that this is I found this. And he thought because he's big Mr. Rockstar, he could, you know, have a different set of rules applied or something. But he wasn't, you know, I take him at his word that he wasn't accessing it for any you know, uh, lurid needs, uh, anything like that. He just was angry that this stuff was out there, and he thought he could change the world by himself. And he ended up getting caught up in all this. But again... Cleared of all charges, save the one, and so far, since then, nothing, you know, there's been nothing. Because if he was a habitual child pornography user, neater, whatever, we, we would, you know, there, there would likely be something else coming. You know that law enforcement sort of has an eye looking at him, just just make sure. Um, <clears throat> and so, I, it's, so when that news came out, boy, I felt, oh, I felt so sick. Because this is a guy that, you know, that's my guy. It's Pete Townsend's my guy. Yeah, yeah, he's into the homeopathy thing. Yeah, I know. And he's got this whole spiritual nonsense. Yeah, I, I know. He's not perfect. But that's my guy. <laughs> and and so it was it was pretty horrible. So so maybe I'm so much more willing to accept him at his word and accept the you know British law enforcement at their word that, you know, he's, he's, he's not, you know, we're dropping all the charges in him. But maybe some of them are saying, look, just because we couldn't find enough evidence, we might think he's, you know. And if that's true, they still think that maybe he's, a, you know, a, a child diddler. If, uh, you know, or I shouldn't put it that way. You know, that's too, that's too, that's too flippant, I guess. Maybe there's some that they're keeping that eye on him. Like I said, they don't necessarily buy it. Maybe this is, we just didn't find the evidence. So, 
I don't know, but so far, <laughs> if Pete is found to be doing stuff again, then I, oh God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to never listen to Bob O'Reilly again. It's, it's, that, it, that will be very, very difficult. So, you know, I guess, you know, when it comes to the artist and the art, it's up to you, you know, what you'll, what art you'll still consume even though you don't particularly care for the artist. It, it's up to you. I know. So. Speaking of tragedies, <clears throat> there was that Ocean Gate thing uh, with the submersible to go down and take a look at uh, the Titanic. I, I don't think I've got a lot new to say about it that hasn't been said. I'll just mention some of the points that I thought made sense to me. I was a little uncomfortable with all the humor that came through. I understood it. Some of it was funny. Uh, but these are human beings. Yeah, they're rich human beings, but that doesn't keep them from being human beings. And one of them was a 19-year-old kid. My son is 19 years old. To think of him and, and something like that. I mean, the only comfort that I, I hope the families have is that it seems like it was quick. It does not... When we first heard about this submersible that was going down to see, you know, this... this uh, it was going down to see the Titanic, which is at 12,000 feet down under the ocean that's a lot of weight on top of you you know uh they they the, it the when we first heard that they'd lost contact with the thing which was like an hour and a half into its descent because it takes like two and a half hours to get down to the level or something it was about an hour and a half or hour 15 45 minutes into it they lost contact and so we we the public learned about it and we're all thinking oh, there's five people in this thing running out of air when, when the chances are that it was just an implosion and bam, they're just gone. Let's hope it was that. I mean, even though they are rich people and, and stupid rich people, <laughs> you know, the guy Stockton Rush, the guy that owns the company, who wanted to have a diverse workforce, you know, for, for piloting these things, which, of course, the right wing all jumped on. So, see, they were woke. They were woke. They jumped all over. See how woke they... It was diversity that did Because they didn't want middle-aged white guys doing this thing. Well, yeah, somebody pointed out also that uh, there was a middle-aged white guy that worked for him as a pilot that said, Hey, these things aren't safe. We should, This thing isn't safe. This is, Somebody's going to get killed. Oh, well, let me take that under consideration. Okay, um, well, you're fired, and we're going to keep doing this. I'm going to find somebody young... It might be, you know, a person of color or female or, what you know, minority of some sort that's younger that might not uh, feel so emboldened because of life experience and knowing what you're doing. Uh, come to the boss and say, hey, this thing's kind of dangerous. I think we should probably not do this until we've figured out how to make this safer. Yeah. I, yeah. So anyway, it wasn't diversity. It was... It's, it was kind of the, the, the Republican libertarian ideal of, you know, let's not regulate things. It's kind of that. That was a take that uh, Politics Girl, she's on YouTube, she was saying that this shows why regulations are a good thing. I'm for a balanced kind of approach, but uh, I think regulations to keep things safe are probably a good idea. I mean, this guy skirted them. American company launched out of Canada, went into international waters. This is what I learned from Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. So he's kind of skirting all this stuff. And 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 they did have waivers saying, you know, multiple times within the waivers that the, that these passengers all signed that that this is this could be this potential danger here and potential and and the worst danger could be death. You know, you you could die. And so, and there's multiple times, I guess, it was written into the waiver, so the people signed off on it. But you know the families are going to sue. There are going to be lawsuits. You know what's going to happen. Rich people, nobody likes to have their family members die, but rich people got money so they can hire lawyers. So, you know, even though there's waivers signed, there's going to be some lawsuits. I'd be surprised if there isn't. So, I mean, I understand the humor. Some of it was funny. I, I understand the, the the political nature of saying that you know this is this is this can be something that will happen when you ain't got regulations when you don't have some oversight body generally run by government it's just making sure that this is safe you, you this 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 is what this is what can happen I mean these guys were risk takers 
one of the passengers apparently had done this several times, and of course the guy that was piloting the thing with a Game Boy joystick or whatever, Game Boy thing, <laughs> controller, uh, I don't know if it's Game Boy, but you know, it's one of those. I, I, you know, he could probably just, you know, let's, let's just take the Game Boy mechanism and let's, let's rebuild this little thing so it looks more technical <laughs> than, yeah, yeah, than a, than a, than a Game Boy controller. Uh, there was a good meme. I'll see if I can find it posted on it. There was a good one that shows, um, shows a, uh, a person on a sub, uh, submarine or, you know, one of those mini subs or, you know, submersible kind of thing with all kinds of gear. And you see, you know, technology and stuff that's uh, helped to make it safe and make it work and all that stuff. And then they show the picture of uh, of the guy with his Game Boy controller sitting in a tube. You know, they show that. And the first one says, uh, you know, science. <laughs> you know, this is this is what following science gives us. Uh, and the, the other one, the other picture had the caption, "Did my own research." You know, science peer reviewed. Did my own research. I think those are the words. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a tragedy. I think there are lawsuits coming. Could be wrong, but what do I know? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, because, you know, but... So, uh, <clears throat> have you heard of uh, the Moms for Liberty? Have you heard of them? Yeah, apparently they're a right-wing group. They have, uh, you know, you may have heard of their sons that they... That, you know, that like you know, like a Cub Scout group. You know, like these, like the Den Mothers. So you get the Moms for Liberty and their sons. You know, a little group called the Proud Boys. <laughs> so, those people, yeah, that type. Uh, they, well, they they rippled some some water uh, recently uh, when the uh, when their newsletter website uh, uh, had featured at the top, just under the banner, a uh, a quote. Uh, Jesus, did I write it down? Uh, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. And uh, owns, I believe, was in all caps, and gains, I think, was also in all caps, uh, as it was posted on their newsletter above the above the header. For the Moms for Liberty. Of course, it's liberty uh, for rich, uh, white, straight, Christian, cis males. It's liberty for them, <laughs> um, specifically and exclusively. Liberty for them. And, and that, that's that's what the moms are about. That's that's what they mean by liberty. All right, not for anybody else. Uh, oh, the quote. Okay, let's get back to that before I get too sidetracked. The quote. Yeah, that's Hitler. You know, you've heard of Hitler? Yeah, he's this dictator guy, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, made a little stink in the mid. The early, uh, late early into the mid century, twentieth century, yeah, made a little, made a little ripple <laughs> in the big pond of the world. You know, had had some effect on it. Yeah, that guy. He was a major league asshole. <laughs> he was. Thought he could take over the world. Wanted to get rid of all the people that just happened to be Jewish. <laughs> just wanted to get rid of all of them. Yeah, they they quoted him. Now, I'm trying, you know, uh, operating under the principle of charity. Because they, they did attempt to retro what they meant by, by the slogan, by putting that quote up there. It, it was meant as a, as a warning. Look, this guy said, if we own your kids, we own the future. See, Hitler's representing government. Government. The government going to own your kids, and they'll own the future. That's, I think that's what they were trying to say. But, you know, the, the Moms for Liberty, for rich, white, straight, Christian, cis males, needed to understand this thing called context. If you're going to quote Hitler, you have to have a little something in there that says, you know, when you put it up in the first place, puts it up says, be warned. You think you th you think that they don't want to control your kids? Look at what Hitler said about you know kids and the future. Apparently, they're our future. I, I don't know. You 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 need to put in a little context if you're going to use it, and they didn't. 
So, it, it's just... You know, they guess the, the mom's for liberty for rich, white, straight, Christian, cis males. Uh, they, they don't want the government getting a hold of the kids, you know, because they, they, they might, you know, instill empathy, uh, uh, caring, uh, you know, a sense of uh, a desire for justice and liberty for all, you know, for all, not just rich, white, straight, Christian, cis males. That for everybody, you know, or as, or as Moms of Liberty would call it, what make them woke. <laughs> we don't want that happening. I hate to have kids be sympathetic and empathetic toward others. It's just, hate to have that happen. Speaking of, uh, of uh, rich, white, straight, Christian, well, the Christian part's a little iffy. I mean, the guy couldn't even tell you his favorite verse in the Bible. Cis males <clears throat> with orange skin. Uh, speaking of him, uh, did you hear the audio tape? You know, it's, you know, he's got those documents. You know, what about Joe Biden? He had documents in by his, his Corvette in the garage. Uh, yeah, is there audio tape of uh, Joe Biden uh, showing you know, documents uh, drawn up to, uh, let's see, what was it for? It was for uh, golf course plans that were drawn up by, you know, uh, General Milley and the Department of Defense you know, to, uh, wait a minute, no, it wasn't golf course plans. It was plans to attack Iran. Did you hear the audio? See, Fearless Loser wants to, he's tried to float this idea. So I was just bravado. I wasn't, I was, yes, I was shuffling papers, but I really wasn't showing the person the plans. I was just, kind of, what, lying? Well, yeah, I believe he's lying, but because he's always lying. But, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I listened to that. Well, maybe he's not always lying. Because he, you listen to that audio bit. I'll link to the Lawrence O'Donnell uh, piece from uh, MSNBC where he kind of sets it up and he talks about, does this guy sound like, does it sound like bravado? Does it sound like, like he's not really showing the plans he's showing. It certainly was bravado. He showed, look at this, look at this, look at it. Look at what's going on. And they say that, that was him. That was him. They, they, you know, Millie and the and the Department of Defense came up with this plan. I didn't. I, this, that was them. Well, yeah. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, dry air down here in the comic book basement. It was them that came up with this plan. This wasn't me. Well, yeah, the Department of Defense has attack plans for all kinds of countries around the world. They have attack plans because, you know, you need to plan just in case. They're not going. They're not planning to implement them anytime soon or ever. But there are plans, and those plans change. And then when you show the plans to somebody that shouldn't be seeing them, well, you know, the wrong people could end up seeing them, right? Which is why the guy's been indicted. Again, like I was talking about in the last time, how much smoke. How much smoke needs to be coming out of that house before you think there's a fire? Mega folks, you're in a cult. You are in a cult. The emperor has no clothes. All right. Uh, I think I'll go to my second break there. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ctalk Radio Network at ctalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimphysims. I will be back. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. The Earth is only 6,000 years old. That's what Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum say, and how can a museum be wrong? Isn't Dr. Oz just wonderful? I love today's episode. 
it didn't talk down to his adoring audience of women at all. Science has proved that the subatomic quantum realm is as real as it is counterintuitive and bizarre. Therefore, I can use it to support quantum healing and quantum consciousness. After all, how can journals like Aquarius Metaphysics be wrong? Evolution is just a theory. After all, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Guerrilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal and alt-med claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please join us. All you need is a PC and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is, is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. Station identification. You're listening to Ztalk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, that last song that we are playing, I uh, was playing, coming out of the, out of the uh, break there, that's a song by a band called Big Black. Uh, uh, they, they were led by a fellow named Steve Albini, who uh, is a big record, big-time record producer. He produced uh, some, he produced an album by, by Pixies called Surfer Rosa. He produced Nirvana, uh, their album In Utero. And and he worked, uh, you know, he did all kinds of stuff. And I think his current band is called Shellac. I think uh, I don't know if that's if it still exists. But I saw Big Black in concert back at First Avenue back way back in the day, and <clears throat> that was one of the loudest shows. I don't know if they amplified it, but perhaps they did. But uh, they started the show by lighting off a a brick of firecrackers <laughs> indoors <laughs> on stage it just that's i mean it just went for so long. i don't know if it was a whole brick but it was a shit ton of uh, firecrackers it just went it was just loud 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 and and it's that's why i think uh, part of me thinks that maybe it was somewhat amplified i i, I you know microphones that would be on that were near it and i'm sure it would pick up that sound or it's just that loud on its own in in, in a uh you know, inside a building, no matter how you know big it is, because you know this First Avenue is a great big open uh, main floor uh, in front of the uh, the stage. It's like you know, two stories open, uh, you know, from the floor up to the ceiling. It's big, and uh, uh, so anyway, loud as all hell. And then they played, and they were great. And that song, Kerosene, that that opening sound that you hear. Uh, in that song, that's a guitar. I don't know how they tuned it, how they made it sound so metallic. But I remember back in the time, in the day, that song came out in I don't know, I want to say '86 or '87. It's off their album Atomizer, something like that. '80 long, somewhere in the '85 to '87 time period, it came out. And um, see again, I'm not that pedantic. I'm not that bad. If I were, I would know exactly when it came out, the day it came out, the time. <laughs> if I was as bad as some people think I am. Anyway, uh, uh, that I remember my friends and I at the time because we were we were we were not fans of hair metal, '80s hair metal. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I was in art school, uh, or I just got out of art school, depending. And I was my musical taste had switched. I'd gone to what would be considered alternative from, you know, classic rock radio, and I still loved the Who, right? Still did, you know. That was that was that's been a constant. 
but I picked up on all kinds of other bands, punk rock and that sort of stuff. And you know, hair metal was having a grand old time in those days, and they were and they stayed having a grand old time until Nirvana came around and and people started saying, yeah, you know, we're tired of party music, vapid, got nothing to say, empty calories music. That's just my opinion. I, I, if you like it, you know, there's something to be said about good time music. So, you know, I, I, I there aren't too many hair metal bands. I it's specifically hair metal bands. I don't mean like just metal in general. Like Metallica could be pretty serious. Megadeth could be pretty serious. There's there's different kinds of metal, but I'm I'm talking hair metal bands from the 80s. You know, Motley Crue and Rat and Poison and Warrant and all the rest of those, you know. I just, I, my eyes roll. There might be a song or two or things, eh, that's so bad. You know, Motley Crue's Girls, 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 I usually mention it, so I don't mind that song. But for the most part, it's just, like I said, it's empty calories music, there's just nothing, it seems not all, it's not super creative, I mean, they're 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 most of them are pretty good musicians. Uh, the the you know the lead guitarist guys are all you know axemen who can play really fast and do the wheedly wheelies really quick, and the neener neener neeners. But it's just yeah, doesn't move me, doesn't do anything for me. I wasn't so specific back in the day though, uh, back in the, at that time about it's just hair metal mainly. But I I was I mean because that's that's my attitude was the hair metal, but I was just kind of calling it metal. As I look back at it now, I said, yeah, I didn't, you know, not that I was big into Metallica at the time, or and I still am not. There's, in fact, the one song I like by Metallica, most Metallica fans hate. <laughs> Enter Sandman. I like that song. I know. <laughs> there are other songs uh, that I know are, they're okay. Yeah, but there's something about that song that just works more for me, I guess. I don't know. More hook-laden, maybe? I don't know. But that's... that's it's Sorry. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Rod Stewart. There are a few songs I like, but my favorite of his, Do You Think I'm Sexy, is the one that most Rod Stewart fans will say, yeah, we forgive him for that one. They kind of secretly like it, but they know it's not. That's not his. That that's not his meat and potatoes. That's not his. That's not the real artist. That's just some fluffy thing he did. But I happen to think that's my favorite <laughs> Rod Stewart song, just because it's. I don't know. Maybe just because it's evocative of a certain time, or whatever. I don't know. You know, back when I was hanging out at Studio Fifty Four and doing lots of coke when I was a. Uh, you know, when I was ten. <clears throat> um, so anyway. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, that kerosene song. That's what uh, friends of mine and I, my friend John, who I mentioned, and we had another friend, David, we would go to First Avenue. We'd listen to a lot of the alternative type music. Yeah, uh, uh, interesting stuff. David had a real wild taste in music. But we would hear kerosene, and we'd say, that's what metal should sound like. That's it. That's the sound, man. That's it right there. That's what metal should be sounding like. And there was some metal at the time that was sounding like that. Just, we didn't know it because, you know, because we were music snobs and we didn't want to look into any kind of metal. So, well, you know, I'm still not, uh, I'm still not big on metal in general. But there's, you know, there's, you know, hair metal? No, never. Nope, nope. Don't like it. Don't care for it. She's my sherry pie. I can just go right out the door. You know, unskinny bop. Whatever that stupid song is by whatever that poison was it I don't know that right out the door and all those power ballads crap them right out of here don't like them that's just me um <clears throat> let's see what have I got you know I'm trying to it's hard to do an hour a week I don't know how places do like a daily show people do a daily show I don't I don't know how they have co-hosts that helps. I guess, but man, you know, an hour show, once a week. Whew. So, um, oh, the show is coming to you again from the basement of Nostalgia Zone. I'm going to get into my ad now. 
Uh, Nostalgia Zone is a comic book store in Minneapolis. I work for the Nostalgia Zone. I'm in the store dealing with customers now from noon to 6 every Saturday. It used to be from 2 to 6. Now it's noon to 6, starting today. Oh, that'll be fun. Last week, we started at 10 to 6. It was part of a the South Minneapolis comic book crawl. And that's where, you know, comic book stores or individuals that decide to have like a comic book garage sale would sign up to be on the map for the crawl and comic book collectors would access the map and go check places out and see what little gems they could find in buying comic books. And we were on that map and we were selling our graphic novels and trade pap- paperbacks, uh, whatever the, just whatever the, we're co- we call them. Normally we sell them for 10 bucks each. You buy three for 20, you get, you get 10 for 50. Normally that's how we do it. But for uh, last weekend and this weekend through the fourth, a buck a piece. I mean, I, we're not going to be open in the store. Anyway, this week, set today, <laughs> you can come out a buck a piece for these things. So it, you're not going to be able to take advantage of that because you're listening to this after the store's closed. But still, that's what we're doing. And we're a comic book store. We've got books that go stretch all the way back to the golden age, uh, up to modern age books. Maybe not the most recent books, but close. And, uh, you know, We've got superhero stuff. We've got uh, Archie books. We've got um, um, humor comic books, mystery comic books, Western comic books, war comic books, all kinds of stuff. Marvel, DC, Charlton, Image comics, uh, Dark Horse comics. You know, it's all you know, all sorts of companies. Uh, well, Archie already mentioned uh, Disney. We've got books by Disney, and we've got Dell. So, you know, you want to check, uh, I'm going to get into Dell in a moment. So, if you want to check out Nostalgia Zone, go to NostalgiaZone.com, become a member of our membership. You'll save 10% on your purchases. You'll earn 10% of your of your purchase that you, what the money you pay, and uh, not including the tax, turns into, temp, you know, turns into points, which points add up. Uh, and as you you can either use them the next time you you uh, purchase something and you'll save whatever that points worth of is uh, and you know a thousand uh, ten thousand points is uh, uh, let's see a thousand points is a dollar ten thousand points is ten dollars so you know you build up those points you can save a bunch of money you'll also get further cut savings on some of our books that have been on the shelves for a while. So some of them go to 20 additional 20% off, some go to additional 30%, and I guess they're still doing the 40% level. I thought we were phasing that out, but I guess not. So check out NostalgiaZone.com, become a member, and buy a bunch of comic books. Can you start doing it? Because, God damn it, I want to keep this job because it's fun, and I do like to have this place to record my show. So, right? So do it for me. If you're not a comic book collector, become one. You've got extra money, don't you? <clears throat> you got that 250 grand laying around where you can go on a submersible to go look at the Titanic, which you can't do anymore because, well, you know. Ooh, that was kind of a joke, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, you know, well, now now you can spend it on us because you can't do that. So anyway. Um, so speaking of Dell Comics, Dell was a publisher of uh, comic books that goes way back. They go back to, I think, to the late 1930s, which is about when comic books started. Um, and they had this, this, this run that was sort of um, kind of unofficially called four-color comics. And that, that's, that doesn't mean that the comic books just have four colors in them, like, like, a, like black with a blue and a red and a, and a yellow. No, it means that the four colors that were used in the printing of the comic books create a whole bunch of other colors because of the kind of ink that's used and they overlay dots over each other and that pattern creates different colors. If you look at real close at an old comic book with the dots, you can see the black dots, uh, cyan dots, magenta dots, and yellow dots, CMYK. Uh, Cyan, magenta, yellow, black. I don't know why black goes K, but you know, it's like that. You can see those individual colors, but then when you, you know, take your magnifying glass away and you look at the page from a, you know, normal distance, all the colors seem to uh, come out of, of that. And it's a neat little thing that our, our eyes can do, and uh, technology learned that and to take advantage of that and create, you know, multicolor images while only having to use four different colors of ink. So they call them four-color comics, and then they, they have, like, I don't know, like, from the, they started in either 1939 or 1942. I see a couple of dates for it, and they run something like 1,500 issues, 
and they wouldn't come out every month but uh, it'd be like every other month or something like that and what they would do what Dell publishing would do with this particular run of comic books was they would have it would be you wouldn't know what the next issue was going to be uh, you'd have one month you'd have an issue come out it'd be a western maybe something based on a Zane Gray story then the next issue that would come out would be I know some Looney Tunes thing. It'd be a Bugs Bunny story. And then the next issue after that would be maybe based on a Twilight Zone show, uh, or or some Boris Karloff presents, or things like that. And they they would have uh, really good art on the covers. Um, there was a couple of artists. One was um, George Wilson did some really nice painted illustrations for the covers. There was another fellow named uh, I think it was Ernst Nordley. I think that's his name. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember exactly. But it was uh, I did a blog about him a while back. Um, just some really nice artwork, uh, or you'd get photo covers uh, from the TV show or the movie that they're featuring. There'd be Man from Uncle. There'd be um, a ga- the Conquerors. I have an issue of the Conquerors. That was the John Wayne bomb where he played Genghis Khan. John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. <sighs> but and I have a copy of that issue, and it's you know that's what they would do, that that's stuff they would do, and and when and they might have multiple issues of a particular story like Bonanza uh, the TV show Bonanza they would have like one issue would come out uh, and then six months later or a year later or two years later there'd be another issue of Bonanza and then another few months from that there'd be another issue of Bonanza it wouldn't be each month or each every other month or however they were publishing it would just be they would say oh let's do another Bonanza book and they do another Bonanza book so you'd get these intermittent series throughout this long four-color comics thing. And, and they would be numbered um, the way we number them at the store. We number them, uh, we, we put on our little labels, we write FC for four-color and whatever the number of the issue is. So if it's issue you know, 130, you know, FC 130, we put that, you know, and so on. And like I said, it goes up to like 1,500 or something like that. There's just a lot of books. It goes, it goes a long time. And um, one of the intermittent series in there uh, was called um, Santa Claus Funnies. And uh, these books would be, you know, and, and the Dell comics would be, several stories would be in one, one comic book. Uh, it wouldn't be continued in the next issue, that kind of thing. It would be, so everything would be wrapped up in their own stories in the book. That's how they would do it. And there might be five or six stories in a book, and they might be different artists, or they might be the same artist throughout. They might be the same writer for all the stories, or different writers. It's just however they worked it out, and and they were big. They were they had a lot of pages. Like uh, they'd have at least maybe fifty pages, or forty-eight pages, or sixty-four pages, which are bigger comic books. They're usually more like of story in a comic book. You get like twenty-two pages or or so. Um, but okay, so. They had soup. Uh, they had Santa Claus funnies, and I was entering uh, some uh, a batch of comic books, and I had a bunch of Dells, and I came across the the you know the full color uh, comic book. One one of the they did like I don't know a handful of Santa Claus funnies books, and all the stories in the book apparently have to do with Santa, and they're humorous, I guess. Kids would like them, uh, and uh, the so so I came across one in particular, and I was entering it, and I noticed something very interesting about that book. Um, I noticed that the number of it was FC six six six, huh huh, and Santa Santa. Is an anagram for what, kids? For what? Switch. All you gotta do is you switch one letter, placement of one letter. Just move it, move it from before the T and put it at the end. And what do you get? Satan. Huh? Huh? Hail Santa. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, <laughs> that was a long way to go to get to that, but it's true. It's true. Uh, FC six 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 is a Santa Claus funnies, and and Santa is an anagram of Satan. So yeah. 
Anyway, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you that the answer is never magic and to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. My life, you're clever, Dimmy. It's certainly taken me in. Well, Well, I'm going to hell. hell.